Second Kings chapter 6 and verse 24. And it came to pass after these, after this, that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Let me say that means what it says. Some commentators have tried to say that it was lintels and different other stuff. It was dove's dung that they were eating. In 1600 and something, there was a famine in London and they had to eat pigeon's dung. It was bizarre, but it's what happens. Verse 26, And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my Lord, O King. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? He was being sarcastic, of course. And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman, she must have had another woman identifying her beside her. This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. It's getting worse, isn't it? So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes. And he passed by upon the wall and the people looked and behold, note that now, behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh under his garments that were. Then he said, God do so and more also to me. If the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphan, shall stand on him this day. In other words, I'll be head, the servant of God. But Elisha sat in his house. And the elders sat with him. And the king sent a man from before him, but ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, See ye how this son of a murderer 
has sent to take away my head. Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. It's not the sound of his master's feet behind him. The king followed the servant, his servant, to the house of Elisha. And while he yet talked with him, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, mocking, mocking, he said, Behold, would the Lord make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat. They're off. And so reads the word of the Lord. And let me just say as we end that reading. There could be some of you in this meeting this morning that are not saved. Or listening to me this morning and you're not saved. And you've seen many things. This fellow was going to see the move of God that was going to come within 24 hours. But he wasn't going to taste of anything that God was going to give. And there's some of you this morning and you're not saved and you've seen God working. You've seen brothers saved and sisters saved. You've seen people healed. You've watched the baptismal service here. You've seen God working. It will be very sad if you don't taste of this yourself. Because the judgment of God came on that man and within 24 hours he was trampled to death. He saw it, but he never tasted of what God gave. Don't you be one of those this morning. You taste and see now that the Lord is good. And he can do for you what he has done for others. So reads the word of the Lord. There are four major end time signs and events embedded in these verses. There's more than four, but there's four major ones. First of all, there's the famine. The Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 24, there'll be pestilences, earthquakes, and famines that would indicate that the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And famine, of course, brings inflation and recession, as we have read here. It was a great famine. And as we go on near the Lord's return, greater, greater will these signs be. And we know that this morning. Each one is getting more and more severe. So we see famine. Second thing we see here, that the love of many shall wax cold. Paul tells us in the last days, there'll be a loss of natural affection. Mothers are killing 
their children with little or no remorse either by the mother, and I'll show that to you in a moment, or by the authorities either. So that certainly speaks to us in the days in which we live. Thirdly, there was an invariable hatred for the true servants of God and for the prophetical word. The mockers and the scoffers arose, as we saw and we read, denying the power of God. And fourthly, and probably more serious than all, there was an apostate, barren ministry that they had nothing to set before the starving people, nor they had no way of arresting a God-forsaken church. Now, the first thing that we see here, and I want to expound a wee bit this morning, I want to feed your soul in these hungry days. The first thing that we see here this morning in verse 24 is the time. You see, it says it came to pass after this. So you ask yourself the question, after what? Well, after chapter 5 and after chapter 6 up to verse 23. Well, what happened in chapter 5 and chapter 6 of Second Kings? Well, God, through Elisha, in his grace and his mercy, with the assistance of a wee Jewish maid who was taken captive by the Syrians, they were instrumental in healing and saving the Syrian general Naaman, the commander of the forces of Syria. And all the victories that were won in the battlefields were won by Naaman. He was a mighty man of valor, a great man with his master. And the Lord in his mercy not only saved him, but he healed him. And what's more, he allowed him back into the ranks of Syria to witness to the people of Syria. So that's the first after this. The second after this is in chapter 6 and verse 8 to 23, when Ben-Hadad sent his horses and chariots to arrest Elisha the prophet. And they surrounded them during the night. And on the next morning God struck them dead and threw confusion amongst them. And Elisha led them blindfolded the whole host of the Syrian army back into Samaria. And there he fed them and they watered them. If you look at verse 22 and verse 23 of chapter 6, you'll see that they fed and they watered them with great provision and let them go. Even though the king of Israel, Jehoram, wanted to slay them, God said, no, you'll not smite those in captivity. What's more, God spared Ben Haddad's life after this. Now the point that I'm making is this, after the grace, after the mercy, after the love of God towards sinners, you're going to see what they've done. You see, it's not God's will that any would perish. And again, I'm saying to you this morning that are not saved, listening to me. Does these two words, after this, not mean anything to you? After what? After all God has done for you, unsaved. Striving with you, challenging with you, 
praying mothers, praying fathers, praying churches, sparing you, convicting you, giving you an opportunity after this, after he gave his only son to die for you. What have you done for him? See, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. He's been good to you with work. He has been good to you with... I'm speaking to sinners now. He's been good to you with work. He has been good to you with health. He's been good to you with your wife. He has been good to you with your husband. He's been good to you with your child. The harvest has passed. As we heard powerfully last Sunday night in the park to our brothers, the harvest has passed. The summer has ended and you're not saved. I say to you this morning, you need to appreciate and you need to reciprocate. What God has done for you, for there's an after this coming that you'll not be able to do anything after this, the judgment. Can I say a wee word to the believers this morning? After all, he has done for you and for me. He could have wiped these people out a hundred times. He had no need to feed them. He had no need to bless them. They were his enemies, the sworn enemies of Israel. After all, he has done for us, providing and protecting and blessing. Daily loading us with benefits. I wonder, did you take on board the message you heard last Sunday? Or are you still limiting limiting the Holy One of Israel? Has he not opened your blinded eyes and my blinded eyes? Has he not touched us a thousand times? Has he not saved us from a far worse thing than leprosy? And when the devil would want to smite us, as, 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 as Jehoram wanted to smite, as the devil would want to smite us, he said, no, don't touch that man or woman with the COVID. Don't touch them with the cancer. Don't touch them with the coroner. Know how good God has done, been to us after this. After this. Oh, how good The Lord is to us. But not only do we see the time here, we see the tyrant here. The king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, was a type of Satan. You see, the mercies of God always matched, is always matched by the mercilessness of the devil. After all God done in saving, healing, protecting, blessing, providing, he turns his gun upon Elisha the prophet. Look at verse 24. And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host. This is not a few round the border skirmishing. This is all the mighty host. He surrounds Samaria and the people of God. The full battalion. Let me tell you this. The devil is relentless. He's relentless. He has no sympathy. He's a murderer from the beginning. And the Bible says, give no place to the devil. After all God had done, he musters every man and every soldier, a number that nobody can number. And he comes in for the kill, into Samaria. And let me say it's bad enough when the enemy attacks from without But when he attacks from within. For Jehoram, king of Israel, turned on the servant of God. Now you get me this morning. And he said, I'll take the head of him. 
he blamed, he blamed Elisha for the famine, for inflation, for the recession, for the cannibalism. And what would I say to, to this to you this morning? The authorities of this day are no better. Instead of seeing the judgment of God on the land, they're blaming global warming. Gas toxins in the atmosphere, rainforests. Well, you, you watch what happened in Germany and in China and in Bangladesh as I speak and in Turkey with the fires raging this morning, that's out of control. They'll always have to find an excuse when they don't believe in God. The ungodly always looks for someone to blame instead of facing the fact that the judgment of God is upon our nations, upon our land, and this famine here, and this great famine that drove them to eating their children, it was prophesied in Ezekiel, it was prophesied in, 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 in Deuteronomy, that this cannibalism would happen as the sin increased amongst the people. I tell you, my friend, the greater we sin, the greater the judgment, the greater the judgment. And we have seen nothing yet compared to what we've seen nothing yet compared to what we're going to see if we don't repent and turn and turn to God. It's the same with those of us this morning who raise convictions over the vaccination. We're blamed. I'm not saying whether you should be vaccinated or not this morning. Not my business. I'm only saying what I observe and what I see and what I, as I pray, what I think that God says to me. And they're saying to us now, if we don't bow to the pressure of intimidation and blackmail, we're murderers. We're now using the children. Education. Mr. Nolan was on the other morning. I heard him about a wee baby in intensive care. He opened his program with it and I prayed for that baby and I believe that that baby has is, 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 is got better. I believe that. And it seems that he blamed us. He, he was blaming us. They're blaming us for putting a wee baby into intensive care. What about the thousands, the thousands that are slaying in abortion? Butchering them, cutting them out of the womb. Seven million from 1967. I preached here two years ago on the genocide of a nation. And you'll get the CD if you want it. If you go over to chapter 8, my friend, you'll find that Elisha, the servant of God, is weeping. Now, I don't know how many times we read of Elisha weeping, if we read of any times of him weeping, but we read of him with his hands and his head, this mighty servant of the living God, and he's weeping. And Haziel the king says, why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? He says, I'm weeping. I'm weeping because they're ripping the children out of the wombs. Who's weeping today? Who's weeping today? Who's weeping today over the slaughter of the children? 
Jesus says in the last days, the love of many shall wax cold. A couple of weeks ago, they imposed upon us the abortion, the lessening of the clinics. Protestant leaders and ministers said it's about time and Catholic priests stood up and said it's an abomination. Are we allowed to let this happen? Are we the children of God? Have we no responsibility? And that item, my friend, that came through Stormont was hardly mentioned on the news. But what was mentioned on the news is mentioned every day. The same as this woman here is mentioning about her child. Boris Johnson didn't keep his word regarding the protocol. That's all that you hear. And I'm not a political preacher, but I have to bring out truth that God shows me. This woman, my friend, was more concerned about this other woman not keeping her word than the child that she'd killed. time that we realized that the spirit of Antichrist is amongst us in power. You hear me this morning. 10,000 elderly people died in a month or in two months in Bulgaria as a result of the vaccination and there's not one word about it. Many in the armed forces refuse to take the vaccine. 60% of the United States of America, Army, Navy and Air Force refuse to take it. You never hear those things. When God is going, when, when, when we're going to, when are we going to wake up? I read the other day where a converted communist says, before the system can control you, they have to take away your freedom. Oh, it's time that we wakened up to see that we were right, right from the beginning, that behind this is a devil. Jack Keane, a four-star general in the United States Army, says, this is a weaponized virus. This is a germ warfare. This is the new world order. COVID. The new world order. They nearly sacked the new health secretary because he says don't cower from COVID. That word cower means don't be weak and don't be afraid. Don't be a coward. Stand up. No, no, do what King Corona says. Because Corona is the Latin word for king. What are we, the people of God, going to open our eyes? What are we going to see? That there's an agenda behind this that is fierce. When are we going to weep and howl before, between the porch and the altar and cry to God, not three nights a week, but every night? My heart's heavy and burdened this morning. Do what King Karuna says, or the children will die, or there'll be no school for them to go to, 
Or you'll not get into the pub. Get the jag. Or lose your job. Free vouchers. Cut the furrow off. What is all behind all this, my friend? What is all this intimidation about? What is it all about when they'll not allow someone like me to view my own opinion and what I believe? There's a control behind it. And you better take it from God. It's not the time here, or the tyrant here, but there's a tragedy here. And it's burnt into my soul. I must confess it brought me to my knees in tears, almost to tears. You see, it's not the occupation of this great mighty army around Samaria. It's not the starvation or the inflation or the cannibalism or the eating of the offals. The heart of the problem is the result of an apostate leadership. Elijah says, King Jehoram, he calls him the son of a murderer. Well, he was the son of ungodly Abin Jezebel. Did you know that? Never once do we read of him praying. Never once do we read of him getting into the promises of God, of Solomon, of David, of Elijah, even before him. There's not one sign of repentance or contrition or contrition or brokenness. After he heard this rending story and cry from this dear woman, he says, How can I help you? I have no bread. I have no wine. She says, I have no food. How can I help you? Well, the fault that there was no bread and no wine and no food and no blessing and no power and no God was his fault. Because they had broken every law. The people of God had broken every law of idolatry, of child sacrifice. And God is angry and he's put the pressure on and he's holding the pressure on for them to repent. I tell you the next recession that will come to us will be worse than the last one. And come soon. You get ready. It'll come soon. And God will put the pressure on. He's not going to let this go on, what's going on. Here's a woman looking up to the king. And he's walking across the walls in desperation. The whole place is in desperation. And cries unto the king. Doesn't Milton, the English poet, say the hungry sheep look up and there's nothing to feed them? Oh, God help. And all the thousands of the people incarcerated by the enemy and there's no help. There's no help. And across this land of ours this morning, and I say it with a hard, heavy heart this morning, across this land of ours this morning, there's thousands of sheep looking up into the pulpits and there's nothing for them. Nothing to feed their soul. No bread. No wine. No joy. No truth. There's nothing for it. 
I tell you, friend, these people here don't need a lesson on politics. They don't need a lesson on economics. They don't need to hear about global warming. They don't need to hear about Calvin or Swingley or Luther or Huss or Newman or any of that. Their children are dying. All this man had to do was to get alongside Elisha and the elders that were in the house in Samaria, which I'll show you as a close. All he had to do was get in alongside them, get down and start to claim the promise of God and repent, as he was told to do in Solomon and in David and in Samuel and in Elijah. All he had to do was to cry to the God of heaven because God said, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves when the famine comes, the drought comes, the recession comes and judgment comes, I will hear. But there's not a cry. Now watch what he did do. And I believe this is probably the power point of this whole message. Watch what this boy did do. Look at verse 30. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and he passed by upon the wall and the people looked and behold, and that word behold strikes you to take, take notice now. Behold, he had sackcloth within Upon his flesh. What does that tell me? He had the sackcloth hidden under the vestments of his garments. And he produces them for the occasion. This is a rank hypocrite. This is a rank apostate. There's no ashes that go along with the sackcloth. There's no tears. There's no groaning. And once he got away from the view of the people, he covered on his old garments over it again. He's a hypocrite of the highest order. Oh, yes, they can turn it on at the funerals. And they can pay their wee sad, solemn prayers at the funeral. And they can sit juggling beer into them the next day. There's judgment coming, let me tell you. Play actors. Produce the sackcloth whenever it's needed to to be before the people. This boy has a form of godliness, but he denies the power thereof. The Bible says, from such turn away. Do you know what you do with this fella? Do you know what we do with this fella? Cut the corn from him, starve him out. Stop his salary, axe his benefits. Chase him from his months. I'm serious this morning. Because we're in a serious hour. Our man is a great man. I tell you, your man is not a great man if he's not preaching the gospel and telling you about Christ dying for your sins. And if he's not telling you about judgment in hell, he's not a great man. He's an apostate. And if he's not telling you about the love of God that Christ died for your sins and that you'll go to hell at the end of it if you don't repent, he's not a great man. How would he be a great man? Proverbs says, Cursed is he that withholdeth the corn. What does he do in his next breath, this boy? Look at verse 31. Then says he, this proves what he is. This shows what he is. Look at verse 31. Then says he, God do so and more also to me if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall not stand on his day. And the next breath he's taking the head of the preacher. 
This brings the Holy Spirit brings him out in his true colors. He hates the preacher. He hates Elijah. Although Elijah saved his life many times, he hates him. And you know there's people around this corner this morning and they hate us. And he can put on all the show that he likes this boy. But this brings him out and he goes for the child of God. Oh, the tragedy. The tragedy of people attacking us and saying, you're not allowed to your views. You're not allowed to preach like this. Well, we preach like this. Once we stop preaching like this and bringing out these Old Testament truths, my friend, we may close up. We need men and women to take a stand. We need men and women to listen to every word that comes from the pulpit of the place you go to. And some of you are going to places and you shouldn't be near it. And I'm not saying to you to come here. But I'm telling you this morning that we are in a serious hour. We're in the last days. We cannot and we must not give in to the sodomites. We cannot and we must not give in to abortion. We must cry and wait on the God of heaven. Because the last point that I have this morning is not the tyrant and it's not the time of the tyrant or the tragedy. It's the test. Look at verse 32. Now you watch this. Get your eyes on this this morning. Oh, get your eyes on this, please, as we come to a close. But Elisha sat in his house and the elders sat with him. I don't know how many elders were there. I don't know how many was in the house. But I know this. He was in it, but he was not off it. And I know this. He was as much hungry as the rest of them. He was in much need as the rest of them. But he was in the right place. Now hear me this morning. The only place to be in this last dark hour uh, for Christians that we believe is in the place shut in with God. Here's a servant of God and the elders of God and they're shut in in the midst of all. They're in it all right. They're in the right place. And when you come into the prayer meeting here and I can't understand me for the life of me, I can't understand how so many people say they're saved and they're never in a prayer meeting. I can't understand well, all I can say, friend, is don't you, don't, don't you be complaining whenever this belt tightens, for it's going to tighten. Don't you be running complaining now when your child gets sick. Don't be running looking for prayer if you're not going to come and pray yourself for them. He's in the house. Thank God who those who gather in this house to pray. I thank God every time I see you walking in. But I know it's only hope. And thank God when you close the closet door in your wee home and you get down before God and with your family you get down before God. Because my friend, this is where the answer is. And to say that a man or a woman's a Christian and they're never in a prayer meeting and they very seldom ever pray prayer is a nonsense. 
You'll never read of it in the Bible. You see, we're, we're in a serious hour, and that's why it calls for serious preaching like this. That's why God has laid and burdened some of our hearts. We're having the insight that Elijah had, but we can see something coming. And God has raised us up here to declare it. And we say, and I say to God every day, I think of, I think of, of Esther every day. She says, I'm here for such a time as this. If I die, I die. Rather die preaching like this and praying. Lying up in the corner. And we're in serious days and serious hours. And I'm not just preaching to you this morning. I'm preaching to thousands that will listen to me this morning. And I'm not getting at your minister. And I'm not a hard-hearted man at all. I'm praying. I'm preaching because the need is great. And the hour is late. And we're in the last dark days. And these Old Testament scriptures reveal so much to us. This man's in the house. He says, people gathered around him. He's in the place. Aye, but you see his posture. They're sitting. They're sitting. Elisha's not running around confused and wondering what's going to happen. He's not running around with fear. Like some of you people this morning, you're afraid. And the very media and everything that's against us is to make us afraid. You have nothing to fear this morning. Not to fear while he is near, though fierce the conflict may be. We'll never give in in the fight against sin with Christ. There's victory. It's all right singing it. Believe it. And these boys are sitting in the house. Oh, they're probably hungry. Do you not think that their heart's broken? Didn't I tell you that later on in chapter 8 he weeps? He said, I'm weeping because you ripped the children out of the womb. I'm weeping because you're ripping them out of the womb. That's what Elijah said way back in the Old Testament. Are they not ripping them out of the womb this morning? Oh, where are the mourners in Zion this morning? This man, you see his posture. And his peace. I just sat in the house. Why, why were they sitting and why were they uh, at peace? Because they knew there was a sovereign God. There's a sovereign God. I knew that. Do you not know that this morning? That there's a sovereign God? They knew that this was the judgment of God. These boys didn't say this is those own lair. Global warming. This is the judgment of God. This is what God said he would do when the people sinned and turned and rebelled against him when they committed sacrifices of the children at Moloch and they burnt the children. And this is what they were doing. Do you think God's going to let that go on? Oh. Not going to let it go on. And he's not letting it go on. And he, he could have held them there until every last one of them bid their last breath, including Elijah, if he didn't want to. Well, God spoke to Elijah. Because through the peace and the place and the patience, you had to wait. I don't know how long this went on. But they rode out the storm. 
that God's going to work. Do you know why I wouldn't be preaching like this this morning if I didn't believe that God was going to work? I was told last week there'll be no revival. I don't believe that. You can believe what you like. I have a right to believe what I like. I believe that God's going to move. And Elisha believed it, and these men believed it. And when the scoffers rose up, he nailed them. Boy, this boy rose up, he said, Is there windows in heaven? And they can mock all the like. Is there windows in heaven? He says, you'll, you'll see it, but you'll never taste it. And neither did he taste it. We're going to see it. And we're going to taste it. We're going to taste it. You see, the power. Look at, look at what it says. Look at what it says in verse 1. Then Elisha said, here, in chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elisha said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Tomorrow about this time. He named the day and he named the time. He says the power is going to fall. And the recession is going to be wiped out. In fact, the prices went way down below what they were before it. And it's going to happen within 24 hours. I can't say that and I would never dare to say anything like that. But Elisha did. He said, by this time tomorrow, the whole thing will be rescinded. It'll all be rescinded. And the heavens shall open. Where do you think they got all the... Oh, they said, oh, the, the Syrians left them the food. The Syrians didn't leave them enough food to feed all the people that are in here. Do you think that they went out and they sowed and that they planted and in 24 hours it grew? No, no, this is a miracle of miracles. This is God at work. This is God breathing upon a people. This is God opening the windows of heaven. 6.32 this morning, I noted the time I got a text from someone in this meeting. And thank you for it. And God bless you. For you were up and you were before God. And the text said nobody knew what I was preaching and my own wife didn't know. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. The Lord gives them much more. Much more. And he opened the windows of heaven. And he came down with power. And the wrath of God turned into the blessings of God. And you know about the lepers. Sinners were saved. Lepers were cleansed. And the pouring out of God and the fulfilling of the promises of God all came suddenly. Suddenly. So I say to you in closing this morning, stand your ground and hold tight. Don't fear. Don't run. Don't listen to the intimidation.
Well, they'll close the whole thing up again very soon. We need to stand. We need to believe God. We need to believe that God is able and he's sovereign and he's all-powerful. And his timing is perfect. It's perfect. Let them rant and roar all the like. We stand and believe that our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ever ask or think. That's another text which texted me during the week too. Talk about confirmation for a message. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or think. Take heart this morning, believer. Take heart this morning. God's able to protect your children. Don't let the devil threaten you. You're threatening the mothers now that can't get their children educated. Give them vouchers to go to their nearest shop if they get it vaccinated. That's intimidation. That's blackmail. That's what that is. God will look after your children. God will keep us free from COVID as he has did at this cor- done at this corner. May God move by the power of the Holy Ghost even tonight in the park. And as we stand, and come with us on Monday night, Wednesday night. And Friday. Come on, you Christian, get into the prayer meeting. And see God and trust God. Your family's not saved. You have people sick in your family. Hold on. Hold on. We're not preaching like this to scare you. We're not preaching like this because we don't love you. We're preaching like this because we love you and we need you. We need you. We need you. This is going to be the last stand, let me tell you. The world, new world order is on its way. The devil is on its way. The next thing is the mark of the beast. This is all preparing us for the Antichrist. The love of many shall wax cold. Famines, pestilences, hatred for God's people. It's all and far more in this passage. But may we sit still and look to the Lord, for he'll come in his time. Let us pray. Father, Lord, we pray that you'll take what has been from thee this morning and cast all the rest away. We're in a serious hour, Lord, and you know that, and Lord, you expect us as thy servants to raise the alarm and to blow the trumpet. And to warn the apostate church and many others, Lord. The judgment is coming. And that we need to repent. Oh God. Lord, as you poured out the corn and the wine and the oil into these people, will you not do it spiritually for us? Pour out, Lord, upon us. Drive back the enemy, Lord, from our land and from our children, from our people, and God help our people in leadership. Oh, God.
have mercy. Have mercy upon us. Lord, help us to end in a note of victory, a note of revival, a note of blessing. Help us to go out of here, Lord, rejoicing that there's a sovereign God who watches over everything and he knows the day and the moment and the hour. He knows when to put the pressure on and when to take it off. He knows it in our own lives, in our own families, in our own trials. Lord, we bless you this morning that you don't test us more than you're able to bear. And Father, we thank you that you're going, to, you're going to move in many ways, Lord. You're going to release, Lord, this oppression that's upon us, these lies that are around us. We call unto thee in Jesus' name for a new day to dawn over our land. We ask it in the Saviour's name. Amen.